Well, good morning, Covenant Network, and happy President's Day. This is Adam Wright with you on Roadmap to Heaven. We are here on this Monday, February 21st, and we have a lot to get to today, so let us begin our day in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's very good to be with you. President's Day is always a favorite holiday of mine because it usually falls around my birthday, and I like to joke around that uh, well, I used to anyway. I'm not in school anymore, but I used to joke around that oh, I got the day off for my birthday. And uh, how lovely is that? Now, yesterday was a great day. It was my birthday. I got to go to Mass with the family, which is always a privilege. And was really graced by one of those moments. Um, you know, we, we decided one thing because I was out late Saturday night working a fundraiser. I said, for my birthday, I just don't want to be rushing. So if that means that we get up and it's too late to get out of the house for 8 o'clock Mass, then we'll go to 1030 Mass. And as it happened, you know, even with that, we were probably a few minutes past where we wanted to be to get to 1030 Mass. So we said, well, there's a beautiful church in the area that has 11 o'clock Mass. Let's go there. So we got there. You know, we were there 20 minutes early. It was wonderful. Uh, it's an odd time, though, for our four-year-old. And so she was particularly fidgety during Mass and very talkative. And finally, I just said, you know what? You need to sit in my lap for a minute. This was during offertory. And during offertory... She fell asleep in my arms, and uh, we dared not move for the remainder of the Mass. And it was one of those things. I always feel conflicted about that um, because it's, you know, I want to be kneeling when it's time to kneel. I want to be standing when it's time to stand. And, you know, I, but I, I've had several priests say to me in that moment, you, your, your first vocation, you know, of course, husband and father, and keep her still, you know. Don't wake her up because of this or that or the other thing. Um, so in my heart, the posture of reverence, um, and in my arms, the sleeping four-year-old. But it was it was quite wonderful. And then after that, we went out to to lunch and had a beautiful day, a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, however, you know, as you get older, it is the way of life that uh, the body has its quirks. And you know, I used to not wake up at four in the morning every day. Now I do. And this morning was no exception. I woke up and I said, you know, I should just get up. In fact, I said that on the Roadmap Roundup on Friday. Well, you know, I just get up and then I don't regret it. And today I didn't heed my own advice. I, I laid back down and then did not really did not want to get up again when the alarm went off and have just been rushing around this morning. I even I forgot my phone at home. There was uh, my contacts barely made it into my eyes properly. Um, it's just one of those mornings of rush, 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 because I, I wanted to seek more comfort instead of saying, all right, I'm up, let's be up. So I want to reiterate what I said Friday on the Roadmap Roundup, you know. One of the great things is when you get up, just get up and commit and go to it. Um, Friday I did that, and then I didn't go to bed until 2.30 a.m. Saturday morning because we were setting up for the fundraiser overnight, and I was fine. 
you know, Saturday I was a little tired, but I was fine. So I just I just say that to reiterate something that we were talking about Friday. You know, if you want to have uh, success with the day, you don't want to be rushing around, being late because you took too much time to sleep in. I had an opportunity this morning. I had an invitation to uh, to really embrace it, and I did not. On the show today, we are going to be hearing from Father Mark Bernard uh, about a, a topic that's very near and dear to me. It's uh, a homily titled "My Word or My Phone Is Keeping Me from Going Deeper," and maybe it's providential that I left my phone at home this morning. Uh, I can't wait to get to that one. And then later in the show, we are going to be talking with John Martinoni, founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, about the temptation to distort sacred scripture to mean what we want it to mean. How often do we do that? You know, we, we find some obscure passage in the Bible, and then we, without even knowing the context or what's going on, we say, I'm going to use this to justify what I want to do. And that is a very, very dangerous game. And so uh, John Martinoni is going to help us out with that today. And we have a catechiz question for you today. So all this and more. Now, it's my understanding that we are, uh, once again, Hello, St. Louis and Midwest. We are going to get all of the weather this week in some form. So let's turn to Mike Roberts for that check of the weather today. Today is the feast day of St. Peter Damien, doctor of the church. Born in Italy in the 10th century, he was the youngest child in a family of nobles who had fallen on hard times. When his parents died, he was taken in by his oldest brother who mistreated him. And eventually, another brother, Domanius, took him in, and he was a priest who educated Peter. He was an outstanding student, and by the time he was in his mid-twenties, was already teaching with a reputation as an outstanding educator. Always drawn to hours of prayer and mortification, Peter eventually joined the Benedictines. His zeal for prayer and scripture consumed him, and he had a difficult time getting rest. After the abbot died, Peter was assigned the role and in spite of his desire to remain in solitude, he took it and built five more hermitages. His skills could be seen all the way from Rome, and the Pope called upon him to resolve a number of disputes between the church and the government, and even within the church itself, as he pushed for reform. Among his many writings was Liber Gomorrhenus, a treatise attacking the many vices of the clergy and the church's refusal to deal with these abuses. One of his best friends, who also fought for reform, was Pope Gregory VII, who would lead the Gregorian Reformation. Peter was named Cardinal and Bishop of Ravenna. His writings include over 150 letters and more than 50 sermons. Though Peter retired, he remained a papal legate, and returning from one of his missions, he became ill and died at the age of 94. St. Peter Damien, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Catholic question of the day for you here this morning. It's a true or false question, and so listen carefully. True or false, Jesus is a human person who has a divine nature. True or false, Jesus is a human person who has a divine nature. The answer is false. Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity and is a divine person who has both a human nature and a divine nature. Now, this is one of those areas that can get uh, particularly confusing in trying to explain sometimes. And so I want to turn to Frank Sheed, 
who wrote a wonderful book, Theology for Beginners, in which he says there is another distinction which calls for no special philosophical training to see. My nature, my nature decides what I can do. I can raise my hand, for instance, because that action goes with human nature. I can eat, laugh, sleep, think because of each of these actions goes with human nature. I cannot lay an egg because that goes with bird nature. If I bite a man, I do not poison him because that goes with snake nature. I cannot live underwater because that goes with fish nature. But though it is my nature which decides what actions are possible to me, I do them. I, the person. Nature is the source of our operation. Persons do them. And so when we think about our Lord, uh, Frank Sheed says, but whether he was doing the things of God, divine, or the things of man, human, it is always the person who did them. And this is very important when we say that Jesus is a divine person. Actions are always done by the person, and in him there was but one person. Everything he did, down to the smallest in itself, most commonplace human act, was done by God. So Jesus fully assumes human nature in addition to remaining fully divine in nature. As a divine person, he can do that. And it's a very important thing to note. In fact, there were several ecumenical consuls that dealt with these questions. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, we'll be with John Martinoni. Stay tuned. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. Our next guest has a name you might be familiar with, depending on how long you've been listening to our station or out there reading. Uh, You know, you're going to run across his name in a lot of different places. That's John Martinoni, founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, director of evangelization for the Diocese of Birmingham in Alabama, and author of Blue Collar Apologetics. Uh, That's a favorite book of mine. And uh, John, we're so pleased to have you with us on the show today. Adam, it is so good to be with you. I love uh, the folks at Covenant and all the work you guys been doing, been knowing Tony and Teresa for years and years, so it's, it's just good to be on with you. Oh, well, it's, it's good to have you here. And John, I'm so glad you're with us today as we have this conversation because I joke around with some of my friends and uh, with, with our roundtable panelists on Friday mornings that sometimes it seems the most often quoted book in the Bible is uh, not Second Corinthians or or Second uh, Kings. It's it's second opinions. You know, everyone's quick to say <laughs> that I understand the the scriptures to mean this. In fact, just the other day, I was on social media and someone was taking some very basic Bible passages, ones I've known my whole life, and and trying to use them to support a position contrary to church teaching. And and I thought to myself, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure that's not how those passages are supposed to be interpreted. And I thought to myself, but how often do we do this, John, that we say, I want to believe a certain thing or I want something to be true, so I'm going to twist the Word of God to mean what I want it to mean, and wow, we're walking in a dangerous area when we start doing that. Oh, absolutely, Adam. And, and you know, this is very common. Many Catholics are, are who've dealt with... Uh, um, evangelization and, and talk with Protestants, uh, you know, Baptists, evangelicals, whoever. Um, in the Protestant world, interpreting Scripture on your own is basically the foundational uh, dogma 
of Protestantism. You know, I can pick up the Bible, read it for myself, decide for myself what this verse means, what that verse means. But in, in the Catholic faith, that's not it. We know that we have an authentic guide when we read Scripture, and that's the Church. But so often, as you're saying, so many Catholics... Uh, I don't know if they've just been um, influenced by Protestants or, or if they just, you know, like I said, it's just, hey, my ego, and this is what I want, and this is what I feel, so this is how I'm going to interpret this verse I'm reading. But so many Catholics are starting to say, well, I read the Bible, and I read this verse, and it means this. You know, I, I've got a, a Facebook page, John Martinoni and the Bible Christian Society, and it's all about apologetics. And I have to watch fairly closely because, you know, someone will ask a question, and then all these people reply, and you'll, you will see these people saying, well, you know, what that means is this, this, this. And it's like, that's contrary to church teaching. No, that's not what it means, you know? And, and, I'm, and I think, where do they get this stuff? So I have to delete all these posts. But in particular, it's it's not just something that, oh, it's an occasional annoyance or something. It can be something that's very dangerous to the health of one's soul. And I'll, I'll use a specific example I got into with somebody on, on my Facebook page. This guy, he took two separate verses that were, you know, nothing in the Bible is totally unrelated to, each, to anything else in the Bible, but fairly unrelated verses put them together and came up with something that's very close to the Protestant version of once saved, always saved. And those two verses were, you know, there's a verse in um, Matt, what is it, Matthew 12, 13, where Jesus says, uh, any sin against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the sin against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And so he, he had that. So he, he came up with this idea that, well, that means you can sin against the Father and the Son, and, and those sins, you know, can be, be forgiven. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, it can't be forgiven, as if the Father and Son are, are completely separate from the Holy Spirit. But, and then he took this verse, you know, Jesus on the cross. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So he took that, as he said, well, you know, every sin pretty much we commit against the Son that could be included in that, because every sin against the Son was like putting the nails into his hands and into his feet and all that. So basically, he took that as a blanket uh, forgiveness for all sins you've ever committed against the Son. <laughs> so yeah, like, as long as it wasn't against the Holy Spirit, you're good. Was the point he was making? And... Exactly, exactly. So in other words, uh, you know, and then so I got into it with him, and I'm like, wait a minute. If you sin against the Holy Spirit, you're also sinning against the Father and the Son because the three are one. You know, you're sinning against God, and God is one. Three persons, one God. And he just would have none of it. And he's like, no, Jesus forgave all the sins against him. I said, okay, so give me an instance of a sin that's against the Father but not the Son. And, and he never really would respond. And I, and I told him, I said, if you read the Church Fathers and the doctors of the Church, the sin against the Holy Spirit is basically the um, unrepented sin. You know, if I don't repent of my sin then God is not going to forgive me. 
you know, and, and it's because there's no sin a person can commit that God cannot forgive. So the church fathers look at it as, well, the sin against the Holy Spirit is, I have despaired because I've committed such grave sins that there's no way God will forgive me because I'm such a horrible, evil person. So you've despaired. And when you despair, you don't seek forgiveness. You don't repent. You don't ask God to forgive you. You don't confess your sins. So that's the sin against the Holy Spirit. Or on the other end, where people in, in the, the Pharisees were ascribing, you know, Jesus casting out demons, you know, which Jesus was doing it by the power of God, but the scribes and Pharisees were saying he's doing it by the power of Satan. So if you're so messed up spiritually that you're ascribing things of God to Satan and things of Satan to God, well, then you're going to be committing sins. You know, for example, there are people who say, there are Christians who say, abortion can sometimes be the redemptive thing to do. So they're attributing abortions to as if it's a, a work of God. So they're never going to, you know, repent of their abortion as long as... So that's the sin against the Holy Spirit, is the lack of repentance. But this guy took that verse and the verse about Jesus, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, where, where the church says Jesus was talking about those who crucified him, not blaming all Jews or anything like just those people who were responsible for crucifying him. He put those together, and he came up essentially with hey, no matter what sin you commit, unless you commit it against the Holy Spirit, you're forgiven. You know, John, it's astounding to me. I've been a homeowner now for a little over 13 years. And in that time, I've learned some lessons about life and about myself. Like, I know the basics of how electrical in the home, how how an electrical system in the home functions, alternating current, circuit breakers, receptacles, outlets, etc., etc. However, I also know that I should not think of myself as the authority or the end-all, be-all expert. For instance, there are things when we remodeled part of our house that they said, do not do this. It will cause irreparable damage to your breaker panel. It may kill you in the process. So do not do this. Call <laughs> a, a licensed electrician and have them do it the proper way. And and I think in our society we say, you know what? The, the smart thing to do here would be to call a licensed electrician, have them do that in the proper way. Uh, even more true with plumbing. I understand how plumbing in the home works, but I'm going to call a plumber and I am going to defer to their good judgment. And yet with our faith lives, we sometimes say, ah, you know, I know that there are experts out there. I know we've got the church, but let me tell you, I got a better way. John, I got a better way. And uh, it's really a, yeah. a dangerous thing for us. So before we wrap up, because we are running out of time, I want to ask this question. For our listeners who maybe are saying, all right, I want to read Scripture, I want to study Scripture, I think I'm seeing an error in what someone's saying, but but I don't know enough to know. I know that I'm not an authority. I think this is wrong, but I don't know why it's wrong. Where can we go for good answers? And, and, and what is that authority we turn to, and what's a good way to go? Well, the Church is the authority, and one thing I tell people, when you're reading Scripture— you get the catechism, the big, thick catechism. You know, mine's green. I think some of the older ones are brown. I don't know if they've got a newer color for the newer editions. But the big, thick one that has the scriptural reference index in the back. So if you read, say, let's say, John chapter 1, 
you read the chapter, then you go to the back and say, well, is there anything in the catechism that references John chapter 1? And you go to that scriptural index, and it shows you all the paragraphs in the catechism that reference verses from John chapter 1, or 2, or chapter 3, or 4, and, and, or Luke, or Matthew, whatever. And so then you go and look at the catechism paragraphs that reference those scripture verses, and you'll get an idea of the mind of the Church, how the Church views those particular scripture verses. Now, not every scripture verse is referenced in the Catechism, but a whole bunch of them are. I mean, there's 32 pages of scriptural references uh, in the Catechism. So you go back there first, and then if if that doesn't help you out, you can go to websites like uh, Catholic.com, Catholic Answers website, and you can type in you know, a particular word or phrase to see, well, is there any article or, or, or anything they've got on this? You can come to the Bible Christian site and go to my newsletter page and, and click on the search engine for my newsletter page and type in a verse or a word or phrase and see, well, has John talked about this in any of his newsletters? And in one other place is newadvent.org. You know, if there's a particular topic that you're wondering about, Go there. They've got wonderful, wonderful articles that reference Scripture back and forth. So those three are very good places. But, you know, the catechism is the first place to start. And and if you're reading Scripture, read it with the catechism right there side by side. It's a huge, huge assist for understanding, uh, again, using the mind of the Church to better understand what you're reading in Scripture. Well, John, I can't thank you enough for pointing us in the right direction with this. I mean, it takes me back to a time I remember someone was going through the the greeting card store, and they saw a little inspirational Scripture plaque, the kind that many of us have had on our desk, and you could tell the person who made it didn't do their homework. It said, worship me, and all this I will give to you. And as we're going to hear coming up here in a, a few <laughs> short days at the start of Lent, that was actually the devil trying to tempt yeah. Jesus. And, and that is not something we want to do. We, we don't want to yeah. worship the devil, so it's so important for us to know our sources. Uh, Indeed. John, thank you so much for being with us today. I look forward to speaking with you again, hopefully in the near future. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Friends, it's time for a new Daily Dose of Encouragement as we begin the week here with Patty Schneier. And Patty, after two great weeks talking about marriage, what do you have in store for us this week? Well, we're going to kind of continue this theme of vocation. So we spent two weeks talking about marriage. This week, we're going to talk about fostering vocations to the priesthood and religious life. Equally important, whether you're married, single, all of us must do our part to foster vocations to the priesthood and religious life. So today's daily dose of encouragement is to commit to praying for holy vocations. Offer your rosary, offer a holy hour for an increase in vocations. Secondly, today, in doing what we can to foster holy vocations, I want to encourage people to join the Sarah Club, the St. Junipero Sarah Club. This is an apostolate in the church to foster holy vocations. I am a member Adam, you are a member. Many wonderful people that I know, part of the Archdiocese, have joined the Sarah Club. And it is a great way to support vocations. There are yearly dues, but your dues go to support programs 
four vocations, by becoming a Saren, by becoming part of the Sarah Club, you commit to prayer and you meet other people who are passionate about their Catholic faith and you're part of this worldwide apostolate to foster vocations. I have loved being a member of the Sarah Club. So I'm putting a shout out. No matter where you are, if you're a part of the Archdiocese of St. Louis, we have a huge Sarah Club, but other dioceses have them as well. Google it. Sarah Club of St. Louis. Sarah Club. International Sarah Club. Google it. Find out. Become a part of the Sarah Club. It's a great organization and a way to tangibly and commit to fostering vocations. I, Adam, I know you love being a member as well. I do. I, I can't get enough of hearing the stories about vocations that we hear at our Sarah Club luncheons. Patty, I think this has been a great encouragement, and it's. I look forward to the rest of the week on this topic. We are back. It's 7.53 on this Monday morning, February 21st. You know, I'm laughing to myself because I have lost track of the count during the breaks, um, how many times I've reached for my phone, which uh, it doesn't matter how far I reach. The only phone within reach here is the office phone, which uh, it dials numbers. It has a couple lines and it dials numbers, but it's not my smartphone. And we heard those words from Father Mark Bernhard earlier in the show about how often, you know, we reach for our phones to fill voids that aren't really voids. And so I'm, you know, a little self-check this morning um, for, for the host as well. Uh, I, I want to encourage you today, two things, spend some time with scriptures we just talked about with John Martinoni, but do so in a way that you've got the, uh, you know, like you said, the catechism handy to guide you. And if you have questions, go, you know, go ask your pastor, go ask an authority at the, uh, at the church um, don't be scared of the questions. And then also uh, find a way to maybe put your phone down or, you know, perhaps this Lent, perhaps what it means is you're going to charge your phone in the kitchen and instead of charging it in the bedroom, and you might have to go out and get an old school alarm clock, you know, clock radio with with buzzer function or radio alarm. You could set it to wake up, tuned into Covenant Network. And, uh, you know, that, what a great way that would be to start the morning. That'd be a fantastic way to start the morning. I kind of like the buzzer because the radio, I'll just I'll just lay in bed and listen to the radio. The only way the radio alarm works for me is if I tune it to static. So there you have it, friends. That is what's before us. Wednesday on the show, we're going to be talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby, and we've got some more for you on Wednesday as well. But we're going to be talking about conforming our hearts to God's will and not the opposite way around, expecting the Lord to conform his will to our hearts. That's not how it works. We are called to conform ourselves to God's will, and Father Kirby is going to break that open with us as well. And then Friday morning we'll have another roadmap roundup for you. We are a week and two days out from the start of Lent, friends. If you haven't started thinking about what your Lenten penance this year will be, now is the time. This is the week. And maybe not only think about it, but give yourself a little practice run. Make sure that it is something practical. One year I tried to give up milk for Lent, and that was not practical. In fact, uh, you know, as I said last week, I did the fasting, my family did the penance. Um, I'd be grateful to have a chance to adjust for a week or two before we get started. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit. Well, on behalf of all of us here at Covenant Network, I want to thank you for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. A special thanks to John Martinoni for being with us on the air as well. And, uh, you know, the book of the day, thanks to our catechist question, Frank Sheed's Theology for Beginners. Go get a copy of it if you don't have it. It's one that's great to have in uh, every book collection. I, I love it, and it's a very valuable resource. For all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed day, and don't forget to pray your rosary.